This is episode 225 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Prepper Advice for Newbies and More from the Group, How to Fail at Prepping, and The Measure of a Man. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, you can make sure that you get the Prepper Website Podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. We make it very easy for you to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other favorite podcast network. And if you do feel you're receiving value from this podcast, we do appreciate your kind reviews. Hey, so let's go ahead and jump into the articles for today. Uh, they, we do have a couple of short ones here at the beginning. Uh, the first one is actually from my uh, personal site, so my uh, personal preparedness site, edthatmatters.com. The title of the article is Prepper Advice for Newbies and More from the Group. And what I did is uh, I, I asked a question over on the Facebook group and uh, wanted people to kind of chime in if they wanted to and, and give them an opportunity to share their advice. Because a lot of the times you get advice from people who, you know, who do podcasts or who write articles and have websites. But one of the things that I have known, and I talk about this quite often on the podcast, is that uh, the Facebook group, there's a lot of great advice that is uh, is pushed out there. And so I really wanted to kind of highlight that. And so I uh, asked uh, two questions, basically, or one question in two parts. Uh, what advice, what prepper advice would you give for uh, those that are new uh, new into preparedness? And then what would you give, uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone who is maybe one or two years into uh, preparedness? And, and really, a lot of the times, there was a lot of crossover and uh, so I just I let the group know that uh, I probably was going to share this out in an, in an article and uh, decided to go ahead and put it together. So uh, here it is, Prepper Advice for Newbies and More from the Group uh, from Ed That Matters. The step into preparedness can be overwhelming. There are so many websites offering prepper advice, so many possible doomsday scenarios, and so many lists detailing what you should buy. Going it alone can be daunting. Going it alone can cause you to make some costly mistakes. So it is wise for the new prepper, or even those prepping for a few years now, to take some time to learn from others who have gone before. I recently asked the good people over at the Prepper Website Facebook group, what advice would they give to newbie preppers and those who have been at it for one to two years? Their contributions follow below. So newbie preppers. Vern says, you got to know what you're prepping for in order to properly prepare. Dig into identifying natural and hurricanes, etc., and man-made like terror, war, crime, etc. Which ones will have the highest likelihood of occurring and the highest impact? Prep towards those. I think that's great advice. And actually, that's kind of where I started with my uh, Survival for the Common Man series. So I do have, with every, with every bit of advice here, I did add an article for further research. If you, if you want to go into that and, and do a little bit more looking into that specific topic or that specific advice. Uh, next bit of advice comes from Erica. And Erica, over who, who runs uh, Living Life in Rural Iowa, and uh, I've talked to, you know, just recently we did that interview on Facebook Live. And so you can still find that over on uh, our Facebook page. If you, if you didn't get a chance to see that, I thought that was a great interview. We went for about an hour. And so Erica's advice was gather knowledge and learn about what you are prepping for before diving in. Start slowly 
and buy quality food and things. It might take you longer to prepare, but by having the knowledge and spending your money wisely, you will be better prepared. Okay, some good advice from Erica over there. I think that uh, when you are getting into preparedness, you're going to hear that a lot from people, uh, people who have gone before, is uh, to make sure that you have that plan. So, you know, Vern's already talked about that. Erica's already talked about talked about that. That is, uh, you know, an important aspect of it. So you're just not going crazy in there. And then the quality, buying quality food and buying quality gear. Sometimes you can go and, and, and you think you're getting away with buying uh, cheaper items and you realize that they start breaking down on you very, very quickly. Uh, I know recently there's been some articles on uh, making, you know, going into like uh, army surplus stores and stuff like that and buying things that you know were made for the military because, you know, they can take a whole lot of damage as opposed to buying something that you just go to Amazon.com and uh, and buy something there. You know, if, if you can easily buy it at an army surplus store, it probably would last you a little bit longer. So good advice there. All right, Linda says, It is always better to be prepared for power outages and what you will need, like candles and or oil lamps. Have enough for several days and nights. Here in Kentucky, we have ice storms and the power can be out for days. Have ready-to-eat foods and another way to heat your home and have extra water. You know, that's one of the, you know, when Linda looks at preparedness, some people, and here's another thing about preparedness. You have people that are, you know, preparing for so many different things. And you do have the people that are preparing for the the weird, crazy, you know, super volcano and, and we're all going to die, a Polish shift type thing. And then you have the people that are on the other extreme of that uh, and, and like, hey, we're just prepping for the, you know, blackouts or ice storms or, you know, whatever, those kinds of things. And then everything in between. And so she's one of those more is like, hey, on the, on the lines of, uh, you know, we, we have blackouts and we lose power. And so we want to make sure that we, ha- you know, we have ice storms and we just want to make sure that we're able to get through for a couple of days. And so, you know, that's the advice that she gave. So, uh, you know, you can that's good advice there from Linda. Uh, William says, don't feel that you have to spend all kinds of money on preps up front. Just do a little at a time. Look for bargains and deals. Also, one thing my brother told me was to try and find two or more uses for everything. For instance, paracord. Of course, that doesn't go for everything. The very first thing I would advise to do, though, is to get a good get-home bag put together. If you can't make it home, your preps won't do any good. Uh, good advice there. I love the uh, the multi-use items. A lot of people talk about that. And so when you purchase something, you know, can I use this for more than one thing and, uh, you know, get rid of another thing and maybe uh, that will, less, you know, lessen your load if, you, if you're making a kit or you're putting, you know, something like a bug out bag together or, or just, you know, items that you have at home. That you know, it's always beneficial to have something that will be you know, be a multi-use item. So good advice from William there. Barbara says, remember to focus on your relationship with your spouse, partner, or dear friend, so that during hard times, areas of friction, areas of friction, won't become blisters that pop. Man, that is a good little you know, it's a short little two sentence. Um, a piece of advice there, actually one sentence piece of advice there, but uh, really good because you know when when times of crisis don't make things easier, they're going to make things harder. And so if you have a strained relationship now, your relationship is going to become even more stressful. There's going to be it's going to be more chaotic. And so you know any any pieces of uh, like she said here any friction there, 
that's there now is just going to be something even worse a little bit later down the road. So, yeah, work on your relationships. Work on, uh, you know, uh, getting along with each other. Try to fix those things where, uh, where you know, you don't get along. You know, how can you compromise and, and get by those things? Because, you know, when, when the poop hits the fan, it's going to, uh, it's going to put a strain on everybody's relationship. Uh, John says, never stop learning and never get complacent or content thinking you're fully prepared. You'll never be. Always plan on Mr. Murphy. Never quit training and practicing. Know your gear and supplies so you can go through it with your eyes closed. That's great. Murphy's Law always hits. That's, you know, that's one thing that uh, can be certain like death and taxes. Murphy is going to show up. And so uh, great advice there by John. I love the idea of you know, know your gear and supplies. And you quite, to be quite honest, after you start prepping for a while, you're like, man, I know that I have that thing somewhere, right? It's in some closet or it's in the garage or where did I put that? And so it's very easy to start losing things. But I like that, that, that idea of, hey, just know your gear and your supplies. Go, go through it with your eyes closed. Be able to put your hands on it. I think that's really great advice. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and move into the two to three year uh, advice for two to three years in, into prepping. All right, Erica, again, from Living Life in Rural, Iowa, says, reassess your, for again, this is two to three years into preparedness, right? Reassess your preps. Reassess your reason for prepping. We should always be preparing, but sometimes our reasons change, our lives change, and our circumstances change. Look at your preps with an eye for what is going on in your life now versus then. That is really great advice and something that I would recommend that everyone does, uh, even if you uh, you know, you might have started prepping and you were prepping your, you know, on your own and then you get married and then you have kids. And so that's something that's not only for someone who's been prepping two or three years to maybe stop and, and reassess, but someone who's been prepping maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years, things change. You might have been prepping and you had kids at home and then you went through a situation where your kids have already left and now you're prepping on the, on the grand, you know, being a grandparent side. And so that's a really great piece of advice there. Uh, and then we had someone uh, anonymous uh, who remain, wishes to remain anonymous said, "Remember, supplies will run out. There will not there will not be stores. So knowledge is best. Ask yourself what you will do when this happens, or that happens. How do our ancestors do things, or how did our ancestors do things? Can you grow your own food for the year? Can you preserve it? Are you eating now? How you will be eating in SHTF situations? I basically think about can I make my own." Break your needs down into groups and then ask yourself how you can get by for several years if things go south and society is not as it is now. Food, no stores, seeds for gardening, lighting, heating, clothing, communication, shelter, storing food, entertainment, schooling, medical, this is a biggie, may not have doctors around, and dig deep into each subject. Remember to try and have three ways for doing things or three different items to use in an SHTF situation. Three ways to store food, three ways to make clothing, three ways for each illness. So this little piece of advice, which is, runs a little bit different than Linda that we just read. You know, Linda is prepping for, you know, like that ice storm, that blackout, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, anonymous here is looking at the real, real long term and not the whole, you know, hey, the, you know, the polar shift and, you know, we're going to have a mini ice age and all that kind of stuff. But more along the lines is thinking about like if I can't get items, if I can't. And sometimes, to be honest with you, that's kind of the way that I think as well. 
is uh, I can store up a bunch of gear, but what happens when the gear runs out? I can have a lot of food, but what happens when the food runs out? You know, what do I do after, you know, after this runs out? What do I do after this breaks down? How do, how do we get by, you know, years into this, you know? And uh, so that's, that's the way that she's thinking, and that's why she's saying, uh, or he, uh, anonymous, uh, he or she, is saying, how do, we, how do we get by this? You know, how do we, you know, you need to have knowledge. You can have gear, you can have supplies, you can have all that kind of stuff, but have the knowledge so that you're able to get by when, when you get to that situation. So a uh, good piece there. Make sure you visit Prepper website for the best in preparedness, self-reliance, homesteading, and more. If you're on Facebook, you might enjoy the Prepper website Facebook group. It's made up of a great group of self-reliant, preparedness-minded people. You are welcome to come and check it out. And so I have, like I said, I have articles uh, linked throughout this, uh, you know, every piece of advice. I have another article or a video that might apply to the advice that was just given. And uh, so I I think there's a a lot of useful, it's a short article, but there's a lot of useful advice here. So hopefully you, uh, you know, you found something there that uh, that you can use. All right. uh, Our second article comes to us from timgamble.com. And uh, Tim is a friend in the preparedness world, uh, does a lot of good stuff over here. And this is kind of a fun article, but, uh, you know, it's one of those, you know, by talking about the negative things, you talk about the positive things. And uh, hopefully you'll see that. And this, uh, this article is entitled, How to Fail at Prepping. So let's go ahead and, and again, it's a short article, but uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm, what I'm talking about here. Here are seven surefire ways you can fail at prepping. Number one. Do nothing. Doing nothing is the fastest way to failure. The excuses are plentiful. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't know what to do. I waited too long. I'm too old. I've got bad knees. My wife, husband, mother-in-law won't let me. My minister said preppers aren't trusting God. Funny, he still gets insurance. If an asteroid hits my homestead bug out location, I'm doomed regardless. I trust the government and look forward to spending time in a FEMA camp. <laughs> All right. Number two, only do the fun parts of prepping. Guns and ammo and gold and silver are fun ways to prepare. Why bother doing all the other stuff? Spend a whole day taking a first aid course? Too boring. Lose weight and get into shape? Too hard. Move out of the big city? Too scary. Buy land and set up a homestead? Too expensive. I just want to have fun. <laughs> Number three, Ignore your finances, go into debt. Drain all your savings and max out those credit cards buying lots of guns and ammos, high-end knives, multi-tools, and other neat gear. After all, once the economy tanks for good, there'll be no bill collector to worry about. It's like free money. That's a big no-no. And definitely, I haven't heard it in a while, but uh, that does pop up every once in a while in the preparedness community. Definitely don't go into debt to, to be prepared. Number four. Spend all your time reading books and watching videos. Don't waste your time planting a garden. Don't bother going hunting, fishing, or camping. Don't get your hands dirty working on your own car or toilet. That's what the professionals are for. Once the SHTF, you'll easily be able to put all that theory you learned to work in real life. Getting actual experience before you need it is for suckers. Well, that would be the total opposite of practice, you know, learn, but then practice your skills. And we're always talking about that in the preparedness community. Number five, don't worry about your health and fitness. 
Some 100-year-old guy was interviewed on TV once talking about smoking since he was 9 and eating bacon every day. Obviously, it's all genetics and there is really nothing you can do anyway. Besides, when that asteroid falls down on your head, you'll be dead no matter how healthy or fit you are. Now, go cut me another slice of that pie while I finish smoking the cigarette. <laughs> Number six, only have one plan. I hear some folks talking about having a plan B or even a plan C. Sounds complicated, so why bother? I mean, what are the odds that your first plan might not work out? Things always work out the way we plan. Nothing unexpected ever happens. And number seven, be a lone wolf. It's just you and maybe your wife and kids. No problem. That's all you need. I'm sure you'll be able to pull security 24-7, 365 without any breaks. Who needs sleep anyways? And you'll never get sick or hurt or tired. Besides, you all already know how to do everything yourself. No need for anyone else's knowledge, experience, or skill. This is a humorous look at some of the mistakes I have seen many preppers make over the years. I will follow up tomorrow with a more serious article on how to succeed at prepping. So I look forward to reading that one when the time comes uh, because I think you, you'll want to look at that one as well. So uh, again, short little article, how to fail at prepping. Sometimes looking at the negative side of it uh, really helps us to understand and see the common sense behind it and uh, maybe some reasonings behind why we do what we do. So uh, that's over at TimGamble.com, How to Fail at Prepping. All right, this last article. Man, I don't know completely how I feel about it. I'm going to be very honest with you. When I, uh, and so it's over at SurvivalBlog.com, and the article is entitled The Measure of a Man. And I totally understand what this guy is saying. Uh, he's, a, he's a young guy, he's younger than me, and I totally get what he is saying. I totally get where he's coming from. A lot of support for this article over at survivalblog.com. There's 77 comments, and uh, you know a lot of people are like, hey, well said, I've been telling people this, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, one person said, like, this is like 19... Basically, they said, like, this is 1965, uh, and, uh, but you know, in, in a positive sense... Uh, it's like, hey, you know, we should go back to this time or, you know, the 1950s, we should go back to this time, that that type of thing. And so I'm going to read it. And there's, uh, you know, there's one thing that I uh, that I definitely am, I'm going to point out that I don't agree with. And then uh, maybe at the end, I'll come back and, and maybe, you know, share a little bit of why I'm not 100 percent sold on it. Although I completely, completely agree uh, where we are. And I do believe these things are important. But uh, I think that maybe the reasoning behind it, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is you know, the reasoning behind it, why people are so for it, uh, might be, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit about why, why I'm going there. All right, so let's go ahead and read this again. Coming from survivalblog.com, The Measure of a Man. Not too terribly long ago, I was at work and came across a young man. The word young is used as a relative term. I am 37, and this young gentleman was approximately 20. I work for the U.S. Army on a military installation in CONUS, and this young soldier out of uniform happened into my work area to ask me a question. And the manner in which he asked me the question made my blood boil. It wasn't that he was disrespectful or rude. By those standards, he was completely polite. But he looked at my feet and muttered, and then he repeated the process when I asked him what he said. Having noticed this trend among younger men of late, I couldn't help but ask him, Son, didn't your father ever teach you to look a man in the eye and speak up when you're talking to him? Imagine my surprise when the young man literally turned red as a beet, 
raised his eyes to my chest and said, no, sir, he didn't. I was floored. This wasn't sarcasm or snark. This was legitimate ignorance. I softened my tone and explained the etiquette of the situation, and we moved on. But I began thinking, how many young men out there are not learning from their fathers what it means to be a man? I'm talking about the lessons that now seem obvious and like common sense for those of us fortunate to have been brought up in a world where conversations took place face-to-face and not over text messages, but are becoming increasingly lost as our culture automates and emasculates itself. Question. So what does this have to do with prepping or survivalism in a traditional sense? Answer. It is all about establishing the standards for men and what we ought to expect, both now and in a post-collapse society. This matters. If we are ever to reestablish the type of godly Western nation and values we have surrendered in this culture war. Now, I don't claim to be any type of sociologist or have any deep insight into that. And I do not pretend that I can pin down every characteristic or item that a man should be or have. But I do hope to provide a bare bones outline that will open a conversation among the blog's readers that will help us all attempt to emulate and teach our own sons how we ought to be as men. First standard is faith. The first standard of a man is that he has faith. He should be well versed in his Christianity and do his best to live a godly life that is pleasing to the Father. His faith should guide his conduct and actions. This is the foundation for all other characteristics to follow. Generous. He is inconspicuously generous. Selfishness is an ugly quality in a man. Charity should be a part of his makeup, specifically though tithing to his church, but also by giving up his time and ability. When a neighbor needs a new roof, he should be the second one up the ladder. When the little league needs a coach, he should find the time in the evenings. He should not do these things to garner praise or attention. These things should make him uncomfortable. His giving should be in silence and or anonymity. Integrity. He has integrity. His word is his bond. If he says he will do something, he does it. He does not back out or make excuses, but puts all of his efforts into keeping his word. Truthfulness is his normal approach, particularly when it is disadvantageous for him to do so. It is easy to tell the truth when there is nothing to be gained by lying. The real mark of, a char- of character is to sacrifice personal gain in the interest of integrity. Good physical shape. He is in good physical shape. Obesity is a sign of sloth and a weak will. Not every man can be a bodybuilder or a world-class athlete, but all of us can maintain proper body weight and physical strength with some minor willpower and activity. Protector. He is a protector of his family. Though he avoids conflicts as best he can, he never abandons his recourse to violence. He balances his emotions, not allowing them to control him. Patience, restraint, and forbearance are virtues he recognizes, but also that sometimes there is no satisfactory substitute for physical force commensurate or in proportional to a proposed threat. Well-read and well-rounded. He is well-read and well-rounded. Formal education is a luxury many of us have been blessed with. However, it is by no means a measure of intelligence. Education can be largely self-directed. Nevertheless, a man should have a firm grasp of as many fundamental subjects as possible. He should be comfortable discussing topics ranging from John Locke to John Calvin to John Adams, from automobile mechanics to wood splitting to plumbing. We all have immovable minds and should seek to expand them. Moderation. 
He values moderation. The topic of alcohol and its merits, or lack thereof, to survivalist preppers and Christians in general has been debated many times over, and it is not my intent to rehash it here. My focus here is moderation. If a man chooses to indulge in any legal vice, be it spirits, tobacco, caffeine, or candy, he should do so in moderation. A man should not bend his will to foreign substances. He knows the line between an indulgence and an addiction, and he takes care not to cross it. Quiet. He is quiet. Beware a man who speaks too much. I, unless it's me on the podcast, right? <laughs> so, be, beware a man who speaks too much. He should choose his words carefully and sparingly, and should avoid boastfulness, braggadocio, gossip, and idle chatter. An unceasingly wagging tongue is unseemly and is a sign of nervousness, femininity, and a lack of self-confidence. When he does speak, however, he enunciates his words, makes, making eye contact with his audience and avoids slang and profanity. Profanity is the sign of an unimaginative and unengaged mind. Gainfully employed. He maintains gainful employment unless retired after a long career. His work, whether it be for himself, a company, or a charity, is a priority for him, and he makes it his earnest duty to put in a fair day's work for the wages he has agreed to accept for it. He avoids frivolous sick days. Note that I am not advocating never taking time off to recharge, only taking time off under dishonest pretenses, that sick day when we're not feeling sick. It goes back to integrity and being where we are committed to being when we are committed to being there. Labors but maintains acceptable grooming standards. He does not shy from physical labor, dirt, or sweat, but still maintains acceptable grooming standards. When appearing in public or to company, his clothes are clean and pressed. He keeps a neat and maintained haircut, his nails trimmed, his facial hair, if any, maintained, and he is bathed and presentable, not appearing unduly disheveled. Respectful. He is respectful of those around him and pays heed to the sensibilities of his neighbors and those sharing the public space with him. He is not loud, overbearing, demanding, or rude, but instead he is considerate of the rights of those around him and takes care not to trot on them or to unnecessarily offend those around him. That being said, ethics and value. He does not back down on matters that play to his ethics or values. Immorality, corruption, or evil in silence are not issues from which he suffers, but instead he opposes these in both word and deed whenever they appear. He does not make mountains out of mohills, but he maintains and clings to his convictions in matters of conscience. Moral relativism is generally contemptible to him. Items for every man to own. On a related, though admittedly tangential, something else I have noticed that many of our young men no longer have or understand is that there are certain items that every man should own. I wish to clarify that you are not a man because you own the following items, but rather you own them because you are a man. I am purposely omitting brand names or my own choices here because to do so would inevitably confuse the issue. However, I am of the opinion that every man, not every prepper, not every survivalist, but every man should possess several core items. These items speak to his civility, preparedness, and overall masculinity. Number one is a tailored three-piece suit. Not an off-the-rack Walmart special, but a quality suit specifically modified to fit his frame. Number two, a pair of high-quality shine leather dress shoes that match it. Number three, a high-quality wristwatch. It doesn't have to cost hundreds or thousands of dollars, but it shouldn't be a thoughtful and it should be a thoughtful and considered purchase, and not a twenty-dollar junk piece from J.C. Penney. And number four, a high-quality functional pocket knife. Lessons learned, not a perfect example. 
Let me finish by saying that I am by no means claiming to be a perfect example of all of these traits, or that I am somehow better than anyone or anything like that. I merely wanted to put out verbiage that outlined why I try to be and lessons I've learned from countless men in my life who have taught me how to act and conduct myself. The list is also by no means exhaustive, and I honestly look forward to others' insights on this topic. All right, so great article, and again, I think that a lot of people are going to identify with this. So let me tell you the thing that I completely that I, I don't really like um, here is the the idea of the three piece suit. Well, first of all, I don't know if you can find three piece suits anymore, and someone someone mentions that, but the fact that a three piece suit is not like an off the rack type thing here. I guess it has to be custom tailored or whatever. Um, you know, I, I just, I have a real problem with that. Um, I, I do agree that you should have a suit. You should, you should. So the purpose is here is that when you go to a place, you should understand where you're going to, right? And so if you're going to a place that does require you to be dressed in a suit, that you're, you're, you're able to do that. So you're not going to go to a place that is, you know, suit attire and you're going to go wind up, you know, in blue jeans. Definitely. Completely understand that. Does it have to be specially tailored to your frame? I, I don't know. I mean, I do think you need to find one that fits. I don't think you need to find one that's completely, you know, baggy and all that kind of stuff. And, and you just go find, you know, something off the shelf. But uh, I, I do think you need to find one that, that fits. But I don't know about the tailored aspect of all of that. I don't know about the wristwatch thing. Um, there are wristwatches that you can that you can buy um, that you know maybe a hundred dollars and it it you know it looks it looks really good. Um, the the twenty dollars maybe you can find one that's you know fifty dollars twenty fifty dollars. I don't I don't know. It just this part this place right here just didn't sit with well with me when I was reading it. I was kind of like that. I stopped and I was like oh, I just don't know. Uh, you know, about those kinds of things. And so I kind of said that there. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. I want to go back to what I said at the beginning of this article. I, I agree with everything that this guy is saying here. And I'm very grateful for my, for my dad and the way that I was raised and all of these things here play into part. Uh, all of this, I mean, every piece of this here, I, I completely identify with here. I guess the biggest problem that I have with when, when I read this article, when I got to the end of it, is I felt like we were going backwards in time. And not that, you know, the, the good character is timeless. So that's not, that's not the idea here. I guess it was partly reading the, uh, reading the, uh, the comments and stuff. Maybe that did a lot to it to, to kind of push me that way is, uh, you know, we're looking backwards to the, you know, to the 1950s. And how many people don't look back and say, man, the 1950s, that was just a great time. And, you know, every, we had people that were respectful. Everybody went to church. Everybody, you know, we had great cars. You know, the economy was booming, blah, blah, blah. Uh, great music and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, people look back to those. You know, other people look back to, you know, <laughs> I guess there's people that look back to the 80s. And like, man, you remember the 80s? The 80s were great, you know. Uh, you know, and, and I just felt like when I was reading the comments and reading this article is like we were looking backwards. And uh, again, I'm not, I, I, all, all these characteristics I believe are very, very important and they are timeless. I just want to move forward, you know? And so maybe this is something that does need to be, uh, we really need to talk a little bit more about this and we need to uh, teach our kids 
this definitely teach our kids and maybe there's some younger parents uh, you know younger dads that are younger moms that are that are listening and that are you know getting this and like hey okay maybe I need to be a little bit more purposeful uh, definitely starting out uh, with your kids being young and, and, and talking about these things and, and putting these things in place when they're young make a big big difference as opposed to trying to do it when you're when you're older and when they're older and uh, you know they have a, a little bit of experience behind them uh, in the teenage years or, or whatever and then you you're trying to uh, uh, fix things and you're trying to you know make up for lost time or whatever uh, you know I'm trying to trying to say that there but um, again I just I that's just a feeling that I got and I really can't even you know you I'm struggling even putting it into words I want to make sure that we move forward. I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I believe all these things are very, very important, but I do want to look forward. I do want to make sure that we are making a difference because it's easy sometimes to say, hey, uh, well said, you know, the today's youth are, you know, they're just so jacked up. They're just so, you know, uh, there's no, uh, I mean, how many times have you heard somebody, somebody rag on a millennial? And, uh, you know, just just really rip them. And uh, it just, you know, it's like, you know, instead of ripping them, uh, let me, you know, do what can you do to make a difference in them? And so, you know, I, th I think I'm going to close out with this story here to kind of help you understand where I'm coming from. You know, just, it just kind of came to me. There's a, a program that uh, I know that there are some kids that are involved with and uh, they are th this program hires kids that are like uh you know older high school students and young college students and this program has the ability because uh, I'm, I'm intimately involved with 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 some of these people i know i know these people this program has the ability to speak into these kids lives and to really mold them and to make them because they are in leadership positions they are in managerial positions they are in uh you know they they have responsibility and uh, sometimes some of the adults you know look back and like wow you're giving these kids a lot of responsibility here and so they do great jobs you know there's some that are like no you got to fire them you got to get rid of them whatever they're you know they're just you know they're not listening they're not following the instructions even when you try to correct them but i i don't think that this organization does a good enough job of really pouring in and making a difference into these kids lives um, and so I guess that's when uh, that kind of stuff kind of just sticks with me and like I said I'm intimately involved with it and I look at the the possibilities of how they can speak into these kids lives and how they can make a difference and so you know th again so that's why I say this article really does I mean all these things are needed so let's move forward. How can we how can we make a difference? So I do appreciate this article. And, uh, and you know, I really want you to hear my heart on all that. And so if you are uh, a young, uh, a young, a young parent, uh, hopefully this is something that, you know, maybe will kind of sink in. Maybe you might want to listen to this again. You definitely probably might want to go to the, the article on the website and read this article. Uh, you might want to share this. Maybe you're a grandparent. You might want to share the, the podcast. You might want to share the article with someone that you know and say, hey, man, this is, you know, this is great. But again, it's not like, oh, man, these are the forgotten, forgotten great characteristics, you know, of, of, of you know, years gone by. Our kids are, are doomed. You know, I, I think what he's trying to say here is how are we, you know, how can we move 
the young people of today, you know, how can we get them, you know, these these skills? How can we build this character into them and uh, and help them along the line? I think when you, you know, an article like this is really preaching to the choir, you know, and I think that's why you have so much agreement when you when you go to the comment section. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I uh, I totally you know agree with you. This is a great article, uh, needs to be said, you know, all those kinds of things. So. Um, Go over to survivalblog.com and check this article out. All right, guys. Well, that's it for episode 225. If you are not coming over to the Facebook group, uh, please, and you are on Facebook, come on over and join the group. I'd love to have you there. And, uh, you know, love to have you on the email list as well. I talked a little bit about that this week already. And so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.